We are going to turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the last chapter of Jerry Bridges' book. It's the finale. The final chapter is titled, Reaching the Goal. And it's sort of a recap on the chapters that we have covered up to this point. I think the chapter number is 18. So basically what we're doing is recapping what Jerry Bridges has taught us so far, what we have learned. And we can do a little Q&A or um, discussion back and forth as to what we're walking away with um, tonight. That might be fruitful as well. But what we want to do this evening is cover some of the major themes in this chapter. One in particular, which is discipleship. He's going to hone in on Philippians chapter 3, which we are going to refer to later. But primarily, what I want you and me to do this evening is to discuss that theme of discipleship in view of Matthew's gospel. You know what the gospels are. The gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and who? And John. If you don't know those four, don't feel ashamed or embarrassed or, you know, insulted. Just feel challenged because... The canonical books, the books in what we call the canon or the Bible, have not ever changed. They have been the same since the beginning. Once those books were decided upon through circulation and other attestations, we have not changed this Bible. Zondervan has not called you. Crossway has not called you. Word publishers have not called you asking you to send the Bible back because they've got to do a reprint. This is your Bible and it has not changed. So if you don't know a particular book or if you don't know where a particular book is found, that's on who? Say me, not you. I know where it's at. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's on you. It hasn't moved. So if you want to become more informed about your Bible, that falls upon that falls that falls upon you. So if I say, what are the four Gospels and you say Matthew, Paul, Luke and whoever else and you're wrong, that's not on me. That's not on any teachers. That's on you. If you go to your Bible and you look at the index or the contents, whatever the case is, it's there. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And I'm not saying that to slap you. I'm saying that to encourage you, these things are not changing. If you want to know them, they will be the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen? So, in particular, I want us to look at the first of the four Gospels, Matthew, today. So we're going to go through a few different um, verses. The addresses are going to come up on the slide. We're in here, and as a result, I made sure I put a couple slides together because everything seems to be in flow and flux right now. So we have to uh, be agile. Since we're in here and I have my favorite microphone on that no one else is allowed to use and it actually works, it's like being at home. So we're going to talk tonight about finishing. We're going to talk about finishing. Have you ever started something that you haven't finished? Yeah. Okay, Henry, I hear my mother cackling. Anybody else? Lorena? Kristen's chiming in. Jay? Okay. 
Next step. What is something that you started and wanted to finish but didn't? Pressure cleaning the patio. Yeah, but in fairness, you kind of just started that this week, didn't you? Well, that's too much information. Keep it on track. No, I kid. Some people do things on a bigger scale. Like, I started college. I got two years in, and I didn't finish. Now, for some people, they live very successful lives without a college degree. I'm an educator. I teach college-level courses. I teach seminary classes. I do those things. But at the same time, I know that college is not for everybody. Not everyone is built to be a perpetual student. And there isn't any sin in that. It's just that God made us all different. But some people went to college and they didn't finish because of something acute. Something specific. And they wish they had finished. How about things like when it comes to parenting? What are some things that we do as parents that we kind of start, but we don't finish? All perfect parents in here. I'm so proud of you guys. So proud. Okay, so the intention was to learn, make the kids learn an instrument that you never learned. Did you finish? because I think there's enough work to do in my own department. The point that I want to make to you this evening before we get into our study is that there are many things that we're excited about in the beginning, but because of a lack of endurance, a lack of perseverance, a lack of MO, a lack of dedication, a lack of, you fill in the blank with whatever synonym you like today, we don't finish. We don't see it through. We don't get it to the end. Christianity has something different about it. 
Christianity is not a one-sided thing. Christianity is a God-sided thing. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, God will perfect that which concerns me. You see, you have a God in heaven reigning over you that is going to finish what he has started. You have a God over you reigning in heaven, overlooking your imperfect, sloppy life. Somebody's wind chimes are going off. Are these your wind chimes? And they're saying, I'm, God is saying, I am going to complete the work that I started on you. And you say, I don't want to do this game anymore. And God says, but we're family now. 138 verse 8. Psalm. Then in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul says, I'm convinced of this very thing. That he who started a good work in you will complete it on the day of Christ. In other words, at the end of time when Christ comes, if you're not finished, God will finish you. Because he has committed himself to your glory. Not because you're special, but because in his grace... He has chosen to love you and to complete you. So he calls us to work with him, to follow his example, to obey the commandments that are given to us in the word. But at the end of the day, if we fail and we will, God always covers our sin and makes up the difference. Because he will complete that which he finishes. And he's inviting us. This is the relationship we have with Christ. He's inviting us to participate in that. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but that excites me to try again. Does that make sense? That excites me to try again. I love what Lamentations 3.23 says. Every day his mercies are new. You know, you wake up and you go, I so messed it up yesterday. Totally messed it up. I yelled at the lady in the traffic, and then I was not respectful to my coworker, and then I was gossiping behind my boss's back, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that was just Monday. You wake up Tuesday, and God says, I have a new batch of mercy for you. Now, with what? Or, or what will you accomplish with that mercy? What will you accomplish with that new opportunity? So tonight what we're talking about is finishing. Particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, although we're using bridges as a sort of diving board. So when Jesus came to the earth during his incarnation, he famously called people to follow him. You remember those words? Follow me. And like many of the greats that preceded him, Jesus was what we would call a demonstrative teacher. He not only taught with words, but he also taught by demonstration. But unlike the teachers who preceded him, Jesus didn't point to a teaching or a way 
or a life and say, let's go do our best to do that. Instead, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus called people to follow him. He didn't sit in one place and call people to a classroom or a lecture hall, although he often taught. Instead, he taught as he walked and as he lived and as he interacted in people's lives. Case in point, three verses I want to share with you in Matthew. First one is in Matthew chapter 4. They're going to come up on the screen so you can jot them down. If you like, the first is Matthew chapter four, and it's found in verse 19. So we're going to start in verse 18, chapter four, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, so the Sea of Galilee, Luke calls it a lake because Luke is Greek and he's like, that's not a sea. That's a lake. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were casting nets into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to them, what? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Famous line that Jesus spoke. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jump over to chapter 9 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. This is the Matthew that is actually writing the gospel. He's referring to himself here. And Jesus said to him, what? Follow me. The sermon is getting redundant. Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Jumping one chapter farther, Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, these are just three examples of a multitude of verses that show the same note played on the same string by the same instrument. When it comes to Christianity, there is not a variety of options. Christianity is about a person, man, woman, or child, following whom? Jesus. That's it. It's not complicated. It's simple, which is what makes it so offensive. The gospel is not about your opinion of something or your preference of something or someone's interpretation of something. The gospel is simple. The gospel is Jesus Christ saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. And Jesus is adamant about this point. Christians aren't following a teaching as much as they are following the teacher. Christians are not following instructions as much as they are following the instructor. And they aren't saving themselves as much as they are placing their faith in the Savior. 
And this lends itself to our understanding of the word disciple. The word disciple comes from a Greek word. It's mathetes. Want to try it? Mathetes. It's kind of goofy, but it is what it is. Mathetes is a word that we translate disciple. It literally means student or learner. One lexicon actually says this, and I quote, A disciple was not only a pupil, but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teachers. So essentially this, when Jesus says the words that he says to everybody, what were they again, the two words? Follow me. He's saying, as I walk, I want you to follow me. The word disciple, mephetes, literally means student or learner. The implication being that as we're following Jesus, we're literally, as his students, stepping in the footsteps that he has put down for us to follow. My question for you today is, are you stepping in the Lord's footsteps? Are you stepping in his footprints? Are you being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? This means that when you become a Christian, you're admitting to your need for a leader and a teacher and an instructor and a savior. And also that by virtue of that admission that you will need him for the remainder of your life. You will never outgrow Jesus. Say that again. You will never outgrow Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 24. Matthew chapter 10, verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, Jesus says. A disciple is not above his teacher. In Luke's gospel... He says it this way, a disciple is not above his teacher, but in the end he will be like him. In other words, if we faithfully follow Jesus, if we are consistent disciples, then we will be like Jesus, although we will never be Jesus. What a great distinction that is. So tonight we're reaching the goal. We're talking about finishing the job that we've started. Reaching, fighting, striving, even groaning at times toward a goal that is ours in Christ Jesus, who is the teacher and leader we're following. So let's get into our questions for tonight. Jumping from Matthew to Philippians. Philippians. Give me a second to get there. Or type it in. Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. And I need somebody to read verses 12 through 14. Like you mean it. After Ephesians, before Colossians. I'll, I'll read it. Go. Okay. Not that I have already. 
already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is such a great chapter in the entire Bible. It's such a great chapter in the entire Bible, not only because of the statements that are made, but because of the person who makes them. You know what I mean? It's like when somebody you have a lot of respect for puts their hand on your shoulder and they go, I'm really proud of you. We don't have many of those moments. In fact, it's been a long, long time probably since some of you have ever had them. You may, you may have a father or a mother who never gives you that sort of confirmation, that grace. You may not have friends who pour into you that way. Maybe they take, but they don't return. But it means something when someone puts their hand on your shoulder and says to you, I thought about you today. And I prayed for that thing you were talking about. Or, I saw what you did over there. I'm really proud of you. That was awesome. That means something because you know what happens? We go through such a, such a, such a want for that, such a drought of positive affirmation that we're living our lives as if things are good. But we actually don't know what we would do, how we would think, what, how would we respond to situations, what motivation we would have. What initiatives we would take if someone was telling us, I saw how you did that. You do it like Jesus. The reason I bring that up is because the guy who says this, the guy who writes this letter to the church at Philippi, we call it Philippians, it's the Apostle Paul. This is basically the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Christians. Okay, he's a stud. Okay, Mr. Universe here. And he doesn't write Philippians going, let me tell you how you can be more like me. He goes, guys, Adelphoi in the Greek, brothers and sisters, I'm trying. I'm, do I'm giving it all I got. Because I don't consider myself to have arrived. I haven't arrived, Paul says. Everybody's looking at Paul going, Paul is amazing. Paul goes, dude, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm still, and he uses this, this graphic language. He says, I'm still pressing on. I'm pressing on. Pressing on toward what? says, I'm pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Is he, is he pressing on toward a goal of his own? Yes or no? No. Whose goal is it? Yeah. This is not a goal that he has conjured up in and of himself. There's nothing wrong with wanting things, to achieve things, to set goals and to accomplish them. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. In fact, if you don't do that, you're never going to accomplish anything. And if you do, it will be accidental. 
Set goals. Make priorities. Do those things because they're productive and they make you successful. But they don't necessarily make you godly. God's goals for you are what really matter. And Paul is telling the church at Philippi, guys, I haven't arrived. I'm pressing on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's God's call and it's found in Jesus. What a beautiful passage. So let's rewind just a little bit look at some of the verses. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect. What's Paul saying? In layman's terms, in the vernacular. Still growing. What else? I'm just like you. you. What else? Today, today we're using the word finish, right? What's Paul saying here? I haven't finished. I'm not finished. God is still sanding me. God is still making me perfect. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. But I press on, he says, but I press on to make it my own. In other words, although he knows that it is God's ultimate pleasure and plan to do his work in Paul. Paul says, I'm not laying down and playing dead. I'm pressing on to make it my own. Press on. What what, what do you think? What's the image you get there? Pressing on. Keep going. Running a race. Journey. Yeah. I think, you know, my father is a football, well, he's retired now, but he's a football coach. And, um, you know, I grew up on a football field. And one of the things that the linemen always had to do was push the sleds. They got to push the sleds. They got to get down three point. They blow the whistle and they got to explode off the line, hit the sleds and drive it 20 yards, 25 yards. And they're waiting. And then the coaches would get on the sleds and scream insults and stuff, you know, yell at them. You hit like a girl. Your mother could put, you know, whatever. You can use your imagination. Guys say things to each other. They don't mean it. It's just is what it is. They would hit the sleds and they would have to drive these sleds. This is the picture that I get in my mind. When Paul says, I press on, man, to make it my own, I don't think he's talking about rainbows and unicorns. I think he's talking about resolve. I think he's talking about perseverance. I think he's saying, when I come up against temptation, I hit it and I drive. And it's Jesus standing on the other side of the sled yelling, come on, come on, come on. I have decided to make this my own. We have a lot of Christians laying down and playing dead these days. Whatever happens in the world, that's that's the way they go. In Ephesians, it says, blown about by every wind and wave. The wave comes this way, they go that way. 
The wind comes, they go with it. Because there's no root. There's no foundation. And there's no root and foundation because they, unlike Paul, haven't made up their mind. Haven't made up their mind to press on. Haven't made up their mind to make God's call in their life their own. I hear you, God. I'm listening to you, God. I might not fully understand, but I am going to walk in the footsteps of your son. I'm going to be the disciple you're calling me to be. We've talked about a lot of things over the course of this study. Gentleness and goodness, love, patience, kindness, faithfulness. None of it means anything if you're not in Jesus' footsteps. Being a disciple means you grow in those qualities because the Lord you are following possesses them. Shows you. Paul says, I'm not laying down. I don't expect this to happen to me accidentally. No monks in the Bible. No hiding in caves in the Bible. Living. Living on purpose. Living with purpose. For the glory of God. So the first thing that I want us to know today is that Paul, who is, again, the Mr. Universe of Christianity, is saying, I'm not perfected and I haven't arrived. I'm pressing on. And you guys should press on too. He continues, I don't consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. Let's camp there for a second. I'm forgetting what lies behind and I strain toward what is ahead. Okay. I press on a verse later. I'm straining another verse. He's pressing on again. But before he strains, what does he do? He says, I... What does he do about what's behind? He forgets about it. What does that mean? Does it mean that he literally has like dementia or amnesia? An apostolic amnesia? He just doesn't dwell on it. What? He doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't dwell on it. What? Okay. Anybody else? What's it? Isn't that where it is? Yeah. But we love to throw the hook and drag it up. Right? We love to throw the hook and drag it up, put the tape back in, rewind it, play it, rewind it, play it, rewind it, play it. And if we get tired of beating up on ourselves, we find somebody else's tape. Putting Patty's tape in now today. I'm going to rewind it, play it, rewind it, play it. I'm done. I'm so tired of beating up on myself. I'm going to beat up on her for a little bit. And she doesn't know it. I'm just replaying this stuff. And before I know it, the root of bitterness has taken hold in my life. And I say hi to her, but really it's like, hi. Because I'm, pl- I'm replaying yesterday. I'm not forgiving. I'm not releasing. Talked about this yeah, last week. Well, I'm not releasing. I'm holding. Because I'm going to make Patty pay. How can I make it to the future? And how can I enjoy the present? If I'm determined to replay what happened yesterday. Some of us are getting older, but we're not getting farther. 
Amen? We're getting older, but we're not getting farther. We've been Christians five years, but we might as well have been Christian five minutes. We had more excitement the day we met Jesus than we do today because we allowed our excitement to dissipate and we've become kind of cold about the Jesus thing. Paul says, I don't do that. Paul says, when I get up in the morning, I go, yesterday, you're done. And then he says, I don't consider myself to have arrived, but this is what I do. I forget what lies behind. I don't pay it due. I don't dwell on it. I don't keep replaying it. I leave it behind me. And then he says, I strain toward what's ahead. Give me an idea. That doesn't include hemorrhoids. Okay? Let's leave the strain thing, the gross jokes out. Okay. Strain, give me an idea. Okay. You're under a lot of weight. Right? You're in the squat rack. You were sure you could do 225. Right? You're three quarters of the way down. Your temperature goes up. Your blood pressure goes up. You immediately start sweating and you're going, Jesus, I'm going down. And I may not be able to come up. You can only come up if you if you strain, if you engage, if you fire. If you get up, you're like, okay, I survived. What else? Okay. In what way? So you have to be really concentrated, specific. Trying to swing, trying to swing this, make it positive here, Tom. Exactly right. You're taking what you have, not to cut you off, but you're taking what you have and you're making it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the idea, I think, is this. We hear a very popular message of come to Jesus and just live the high life. But when we actually read the New Testament, it's a pretty different message. Are we in agreement? I mean, as far as salvation is concerned, the Lord says, in Christ you're forgiven. And in that, we relax, we enjoy it, we rest in his grace. But as far as life is concerned, every time we come across a verse that talks about Christianity, it's straining, it's pressing, it's following, it's walking. There's an expectation on the part of our God when it comes to us as his people that we live a life that reflects a perseverance, a purpose. Aiming and finishing. That's what God is calling us to do. Let's jump down to the next one. Number three. Uh, I want to skip one and go to number three because we're short on time and the deacons and I are meeting this evening. And want to give Tom enough time to yell at me. Just kidding. Bridges quotes Paul in the book of Philippians. What does the following statement mean? He strives toward the goal not to win acceptance, but because he has already been accepted. Great line. Bridges is talking about this passage that we just read from Philippians, and then Bridges says, Paul strives toward the goal 
not to win acceptance, but because he has already been accepted. By God, that's the implication, right? He's, he's not straining toward the goal so that God will accept him. He's straining toward the goal because he has been accepted. Help me understand this. Talk to me a little bit about this. Let's talk about it again. It's so good. Should be a natural. This is what I was thinking. He's, he's been accepted. He's done. Right? So what he does now is evidence of that acceptance, not to be accepted. Correct. Correct. And taking back on what you started the sermon about following, we're straining harder to follow Jesus once we're accepted. And we're straining harder to be like Jesus to follow him. Yeah. It's really interesting. Diamond and I, we have two incredible kids. And um, they please us all the time. We're incredibly proud of our kids. We're very fortunate to have the kids that we do. But if our kids ever did something that was completely outside the character if our kids were ever guilty of doing something that we would consider sin, something that we would consider shameful, something that we would consider completely unacceptable, they would not cease to be our children. And I think the idea of being adopted into the family of God, that's what the Bible says, when you become Christian, you're adopted into the family of God. Jesus was never adopted. But when we go into the family, we were adopted. And I think the idea there about being a disciple is that we lived with such proximity to Jesus, having been adopted into the family, that we start taking on these family characteristics and traits. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We start taking on these family qualities. And, and the idea is that somebody walks up to us and goes, man, you look more and more like your dad every day. Not like that. But then somebody says, I notice you're more and more like Jesus every day. That's the family resemblance that Bridges is talking about with Paul. He's not striving because he wants in. He's striving because he is in. 
He's striving because he knows his father well. He's striving because his father loves him. He's striving because all that he needs for now and eternity, all those things have been provided for him in Jesus. So the question that you and I have to answer in our own lives, not for our neighbor, not for our spouse, not for our kids, is am I there? Have I committed myself to Christ to be a disciple of his because he is the Savior that God has given to sinners like me? And having made that commitment by faith, am I committed to walk in the footsteps that he's putting in front of me? Now, that doesn't mean going to church makes you a disciple. But if you're a disciple, then you'll go to church. Now, reading the Bible doesn't necessarily make you a disciple. But if you're a disciple, then you're going to read your Bible. You see, Jesus told a bunch of people, follow me. And then years later, those people said, follow us while we follow him. It's discipleship. See, we are disciples of Jesus, but it should not stall with us. We are disciples of Jesus and we ourselves should encourage others into the course of discipleship. That's what it's all about. Succession. We don't want to die and not leave anyone to represent the gospel of the kingdom in this world. So Jesus says, go into all the nations. Make disciples. Teaching them to observe what I commanded you. I'll be with you now until the end of the age. It's Matthew 28. It's the end of Matthew 28. You see how it all ties together? It isn't about, oh, God loves me so much and he just wants to give me Mercedes and forgive me and give me a mansion in heaven. That, that's not Christianity. That's capitalism. And I'm not a Marxist, but the kingdom of heaven doesn't operate on those rules. The kingdom of heaven is about God providing for us by his grace in Christ all that we've ever needed because we could not provide it on our own behalf. And then him telling us, go tell some other people. I love what John Newton said. He's the author of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet a sound, right? Save the wretch like me. He was a slave trader. I don't know if you know that. He was a slave trader and got saved reading the Bible on a slave ship with slaves. When we finally made it back to England, he, along with other people like William Wilberforce, worked to abolish slavery in England. And one of the things that he's known for is amazing grace. He was such a gospel-centered person because he knew the grace of God in his life. And I'll close with this. He said... Evangelism and discipleship is one hungry man who has found food telling another hungry man where he can find it. That's all it is. Let's pray. God, thank you for our lesson tonight. Thank you for this great book that we have learned.
from and studied from. We pray that you be glorified in our lives and help us to live in accordance with the commandments our Lord has given to us. Knowing that if and when we fail, you won't forsake us. You'll pick us up, you'll clean us up, you'll encourage us to move on because you love us as we are members of your family. We thank you for that, the confidence that comes with it. Help us to strain and to strive and to press on. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See you Sunday.